He's a wonderful Savior, isn't he? A wonderful friend. Now this evening, turn please to Luke, the 12th chapter, the 25th verse, beginning. I'm so thankful for the Bible, aren't you? And I'm so glad that the Lord arranged to have four different men write the life of Jesus. It must be the most important part of the whole Bible, the life of Jesus. And so much in these four books, the four Gospels, so much is a record of what Jesus said. His name, you know, is called the Word of God. He's God's thought made audible. He came to this world to share God's thinking with us. And if we listen to what he says, we'll understand God's thoughts. Luke, the 12th chapter, verses 25 to 28. And which of you with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit. You boys and girls, if you're thinking about it, can you add a foot to your height? No. If ye then be not able to do that thing which is least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. Now the reason I'm studying this tonight is that the lilies are blooming. Now we're enjoying the daffodils. And the crocus came some days ago. And one after another, the spring flowers are delighting us with their fragrance and their beauty. And Jesus says, consider the lilies, how they grow. Think about it. Look at them. Observe them. Meditate. Learn a lesson. Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothe the grass, which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? The lesson we're going to study tonight deals not so much with the physical clothing, the dresses and the suits and the shirts and trousers and shoes that we wear, but rather tonight we're going to think especially about the spiritual clothing and that this is connected with the lessons from the lilies in the garden. We learn from Isaiah, the 61st chapter, verses 10 and 11. This is a wonderful text for every gardener. I hope you all are gardeners. If you've not yet gotten into the joy of it, I hope you will. Jesus put our first parents in a garden, and all through these 6,000 years, he's been drawing wonderful lessons from the growing of fruits and vegetables and flowers and trees. Now, keep in mind, we're looking at the relationship between clothing and gardening and the spiritual experience, Isaiah 61:10 and 11. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness. What's the robe? Righteousness. As a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. For as the earth bringeth forth her bud, and as the garden causeth the things that are sown in it to spring forth. So the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. 
What is God's program for giving us righteousness? Well, in the 10th verse, he illustrates it by a garment that clothes us or covers us. In the 11th verse, he illustrates it by referring to the garden. Each of these illustrations has certain lessons for us, and we want to notice some of them tonight. Now suppose it's springtime, and I'm anxious for a crop, whether it be radishes or carrots or lettuce or tomatoes or whatever. And suppose I get out here and I stir up the ground, get it all ready, and then I put the seed in, and then I kneel down and pray. And the thought comes to me that if I'd pray all night, that perhaps I could get a crop tomorrow. Now let me ask you something. Could the Lord cause seed that was sown today to mature and bear fruit tomorrow? Could he do that? What would we call that? A miracle. Do you remember a man once that had a rod and he put it in one day and then he went and took it out and it not only had bloomed but it had already borne what? Aaron. Who was that? Aaron. That was a what? A miracle. Don't you wish that we could mature Christian character like that? Or do you wish it? And that's what I want to study with you a little bit about tonight. In the book Acts of the Apostles, page 284, I read, Christ himself calls our attention to the growth of the vegetable world as an illustration of the agency of his spirit in sustaining spiritual life. The sap of the vine Ascending from the root is diffused to the branches, sustaining growth and producing blossoms and fruit. Why, yes, next August we'll be picking grapes. But it'll be next August. And what's going to be happening between now and then? Oh, the sap will be coming. The vine will be spreading out its roots in the ground, drinking in the water, sucking up the nourishment, the leaves will come out, they'll breathe in the carbon dioxide from the atmosphere, and the sun's sunshine will work upon those green leaves, and under its influence, acting on the chlorophyll, that carbon dioxide from the air and that water from the roots will be changed into sugar, grape sugar. Wonderful process. And it's going to take every day from now till August to do it. And the vines have already been planted. The sap of the vine ascending from the root is diffused to the branches, sustaining growth and producing, producing blossoms and fruit. So the life-giving power of the Holy Spirit, proceeding from the Savior, pervades the soul, renews the motives and affections, and brings even the thoughts into obedience to the will of God, enabling the receiver to bear the precious fruit of holy deeds. The author of this spiritual life is unseen. Do we see God working out here in the vineyard? No. Is he at work? 
Yes. Do we see God working in human hearts? No. Is he working? Yes. The author of this spiritual life is unseen, and the exact method by which that life is imparted and sustained, it is beyond the power of human philosophy to explain. So when somebody's got it all explained by psychology or by philosophy or theology or any other way, you can be sure he doesn't have the right answer, because it's beyond that. Yet the operations of the Spirit are always in harmony with the written word. As in the natural, so in the spiritual world. I want to read that short sentence again, then I want you to repeat it with me. As in the natural, so in the spiritual world. Together. As in the natural, so in the spiritual world. How are things in the spiritual? As in the natural. The natural life is preserved moment by moment by divine power. Yet it is not sustained by a direct miracle. Then, listen carefully while I ask you this question. Are there manifestations of the power of God that are not miracles? Are there? Oh, all right. Now, some of you weren't quite sure, so let me read it again. As in the natural, so in the spiritual world. The natural life is preserved moment by moment by divine power, yet it is not sustained by a direct miracle. The plant is living and growing day by day. The child is living and growing day by day, but not by what? Not by a direct miracle. When Jesus turned the water into grape juice, all there in a few minutes, that was a direct miracle when he took five little barley loaves and multiplied them by his word to feed 10,000 people, that was a direct miracle. But when he grows grain on the hillside, using the sunshine and the rain, and you and I cooperating with him in tilling the soil, that's not a direct miracle. Now let me hasten to say, friends, it's just as much the power of God one way as the other. Just as much takes just as much of the power of God to grow grapes and take months to do it as it did for Jesus to turn the water into wine there like that. Just as much of the power of God. Well, why does he stretch it out? Well, there are several reasons. One is so you and I will have a chance to do something besides just watching. Aren't you glad he gives us a part? I'm glad we can till the soil, cut out the weeds, prune the vines, take care of the garden. Aren't you? Oh, think of the joy we get and the health we get, the life we get, the fellowship we share. As in the natural, so in the spiritual world. The natural life is preserved moment by moment by divine power. Yet it is not sustained by a direct miracle but through the use of blessings placed within our reach. Why, yes. We sit at the table and the food is where? It's within our reach. But we don't get a single calorie by looking at a piece of bread or hearing lectures about it. It's the bread that I take and put in my mouth and chew and swallow. 
That's what I get the iron and the lime and the phosphorus and the amino acids and the starch and the protein out of. Is that right? That's it. So in the spiritual life, it is sustained by the use of those means that providence has supplied. And my point is this tonight. No matter how much we eat, our bodies have no way of appropriating enough food in 24 hours to last us a year. No matter how much fertilizer or water we put on the garden, there's no way to give it enough so that we can just forget it and it takes care of itself from here on out. Neither is there any way that we can put enough food in a boy or enough work or material on a garden so that miraculously things happen overnight. And yet this is exactly what multitudes of people are looking for religiously. This is why there is such a response to these fanatical, extreme, excitable movements that are occupying the center of the stage in many religious circles today. The Pentecostal movements and the fringe movements that go along with them. The appeal to the emotions, to the excitement. People want something to touch them, to electrify them, so that from then on, they have nothing to do, nothing to worry about. Everything's all settled back there sometime. Maybe last week, maybe a year ago, ten years ago, something touched me. That's why I know. Now, don't misunderstand me, friends. There is an experience of being born again, of being converted. That's like the birth of a child or the germination of a seed. But what we're studying tonight is that growth that continues on. Of course, stones don't grow, and dead seeds don't grow, and dead babies don't grow. But live Christians must grow just as gardens grow. They must grow gradually, day by day, under the influence of the Holy Spirit, using the means that God has provided. Christian Service, page 228. God does not generally work miracles to advance his truth. If the husbandman neglects to cultivate the soil, God works no miracle to counteract the sure results. And even, and I say this reverently, even if I go to prayer meeting and pray hard and get friends to unite with me, none of that takes the place of my getting a hole and cutting the weeds. Is that right? Prayer is not a substitute for action. We're to cooperate with God. God does not generally work miracles to advance his truth. If the husbandman neglects to cultivate the soil, God works no miracle to counteract the sure results. He works according to great principles made known to us. So it's God that causes the seed to grow, right? Yes. We couldn't grow roses or strawberries or turnip greens by ourselves. We can't do it without God, and God doesn't do it without us. Is that right? He works according to great principles made known to us, and it is our part to mature wise plans and set in operation 
the means whereby God shall bring about certain results. Now, turn over to the epistle of James. Here is another lesson from the growing things. James, the fifth chapter. Now, some of us here tonight have been gardening already this year, and these lessons will be illustrated by the experience we've had, and I hope all of us will be doing some gardening in the coming weeks, and these lessons we're studying from the Bible tonight will help us in our gardening, and the gardening will repeat these lessons. James 5, verses 7 and 8. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and latter rain. What's the husbandman? What does that mean? The farmer, the gardener, the one who looks after the crops. Now, what does the husbandman do? What does this say he does? He waits. Now, we all know he does some things while he's waiting. He doesn't just sit down there under a tree and watch the crops day in and day out. But when he has prepared the soil and put in the seed, then he has to what? He has to wait. Then by and by he may cultivate. And again he has to what? Wait. There are times when he has to wait, as this verse says, for rain. Some days ago, were any of you praying for rain after you got your garden? Yeah. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it, until he receive the early and the latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth not. That's harvest time. O oh, friends, the thought that I pray that God may make very real and precious to us tonight is this. He has promised to give us a crop in our character building. And he wants us to have such trust in him that we will patiently wait the working of his spirit in our hearts. Oh, but we want it right now. We'd like to feel like Jesus and act like Jesus and be like Jesus all in a moment. Well, dear friends, we can choose it all in a moment, and God counts it that way. That's righteousness by faith. But the actual development is like the lily, like the apple tree, like the flowers, like the fruit, as the garden, bringing forth these precious fruits. In the book, The Sanctified Life, page 84, we have a statement of great significance on this. The prophets and apostles did not perfect Christian character by a miracle. Now, did they perfect Christian character? Apparently, that's what they said. But it tells us how they didn't do it. How? They didn't do it by a miracle. Well, you say, did they do it by themselves? Oh, no. No, no. But God didn't suddenly one day swoop down on Elijah or on Moses or on Peter 
Ron Paul. And from that time on, with no conflict, they were all settled. They were instantly sanctified. No, that didn't happen. The prophets and apostles did not perfect Christian character by a miracle. They used the means which God had placed within their reach. And all who will put forth the same effort will secure the same results. Oh, that's a tremendous promise. All who will put forth the same effort will secure the same results. Can I have what Elijah got and Jacob and Daniel and Peter? Can I? Yes. If I'll stir the soil and put in the seed, keep out the weeds, if I'll pray and work with God, I can have a garden too. Did you ever hear about people that had a green thumb? Yeah. The people that have a green thumb, they use not only the thumb, but all the other fingers, don't they? That's right. They work. It's not some magic. And all who will put forth the same effort will secure the same result. Aren't you glad, friend? Will you say that with me? All who will put forth the same effort will secure the same results. Thank God. It'll work for us if we'll follow the recipe, if we'll follow the directions. And remember, that means to have patience, to keep on, pray, study, putting forth the effort to live the Christian life. Prayer is the breath of the soul. In the Word of God, we receive the nourishment for our spiritual life. The Word of God is like seed that we put in the garden. So in the study of God's Word and in prayer, we are doing the things that He has outlined to make the crop grow, to make our spiritual life grow. This is the way that we are to develop in the things of God. Now, in a little compilation called Revival and Beyond, we have this interesting little statement from the Spirit of Prophecy taken from an old Signs of the Times article. It's page 57 of this little book. It makes plain something that I think will help someone here tonight. No one who claims holiness is really holy. No one who claims holiness is really holy. Those who are registered as holy in the books of heaven are not aware of the fact and are the last ones to boast of their own goodness. So when Jesus in the sanctuary above closes the records of heaven and says, He that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. Will the saints down here in this world be saying, I am sanctified, I am holy, I have arrived? No. No. This is the paradox of it. No one who claims holiness is really holy. Those who are registered as holy in the books of heaven are not aware of the fact and are the last ones to boast of their own goodness. Now, dear ones, if this was so even with Daniel, Paul, and John that are mentioned here on this page, three outstanding saints in the Bible, 
It must be true of you and me, don't you think so? And listen, if looking into the future, if we know that we'll not be able to say we have arrived, God in heaven writes it down, but we don't see it, then, don't miss this, should I make any effort right now to see that I have arrived and to find satisfaction in my own holiness? Should I? Why, no. That'll be disappointing. That will, that will lead me either to make false claims or else to get discouraged. The more closely they resemble Christ, the more they lament their unlikeness to him. For their consciences are sensitive and they regard sin more as God regards it. Their hearts are humbled under a sense of their own unworthiness. Just think of Daniel's experience there in the ninth and tenth chapters of his book, how he humbled himself and confessed his sinful condition and the sins of his people. And when the angel messenger and Christ, the Son of God, came and appeared to him in the tenth chapter, how it left him without strength, under a sense of his own weakness and unworthiness. And yet the angel said, Daniel, you're a man greatly beloved in heaven. Oh, friends, tonight then, let us settle this in our hearts as we look at the flowers growing on the hillsides, as we stir the soil and plant the seeds and take care of them, as we look after our own bodies for health and strength. Let us learn the precious lesson that just as God is growing things in the garden as we cooperate with it, and just as strengthening our health and causing the children to grow as human beings share with him. And yet it isn't done all in a second, all in a day. Gradually, day by day, the growth continues in the garden and in the human family. So in the spiritual life, God is at work. Consider the lilies of the field how they grow. Now, one of my favorite texts on this is Philippians, the first chapter and the sixth verse. Many of you know it, but it fits in right here, just like it was made for it, and I think it was made for it. So we'll put it in. Philippians, the first chapter and the sixth verse. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will Perform it, the margin says he'll what? Finish it until the day of Jesus Christ. The husbandman who puts out the little grape vines expects one day to pick the fruit and eat it. And praise God, Jesus expects to pick the fruit in our lives of righteous characters. You and I are working with and if we do not see the purple grapes today, let's still keep taking care of the vineyard and asking God for the sunshine and rain, shall we? Knowing that he which hath begun a good work in us will finish it. Hebrews, the twelfth chapter, verses one and two. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience. 
then patience doesn't mean to quit running. Patience doesn't mean to cease to make an effort. Patience doesn't mean, as we hear it sometimes said, let go and let God. It doesn't mean to say, well, I tried and I tried, but I found out I couldn't do anything, so I just quit and turned everything over to God. Please don't try that on your garden this year, folks. Just don't try that on your garden. If you have tried in a poor human way in your spiritual experience and it hasn't worked, don't run to the other extreme and say, I'm just going to leave it all with God and do nothing. No, no. As in the gardening, as in the care of our physical health, so in the spiritual. We're going to run. We're going to do all we can, but we're going to do it with what? With patience. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. What does author mean? He began it. And finisher means he's going to complete it. It's Jesus all the way through. But we're working with him. We can't do it without him. He won't do it without us. And we're to do it with what? Patience. Patience means waiting. But it doesn't mean just sleeping while we wait. We're to do everything we can to accomplish the result. But no matter how hard we work and no matter how earnestly we pray, we can't make strawberries bloom and get big and get red and ripe all in 24 hours. No matter if we have a prayer meeting and pray all night, it won't work that way. Don't misunderstand me. Prayer is a blessing in our spiritual life. But all the praying in the world will not produce a mature Christian character in 24 hours. That's what I'm trying to get at tonight. And therefore, we must have the faith that keeps us doing day by day that which God has outlined. Oh, I'm so thankful that he gives us so many illustrations in the world of nature to teach us how to cooperate with him. What do you say? All right, we're going to have a little praise service now. And those who would like to speak to the glory of our God, you come up. We'll have a good time praising God here this Saturday evening. I want to praise the Lord this evening for the work that he's doing in my life. And even though at times there are some dogs that get into the garden of my soul, I know that Jesus will, with my cooperation, chase those dogs right out and that he will go right on mending my garden and tilling the soil, the soil of my soul until the precious fruit is gathered in. We're told that one plants and another waters, and it's God that gives the increase. It was a pleasure and a blessing last week to have been at the constituency meeting, and there was a young couple there that shared with us a bit of joy that I think we all, as the family of God, the family of the sanitarium here, can share in. She said, I have some good news for you. And uh, we wondered what it was, and she said, do you know a Mr. Fritzbury? And I said, yes, that sounds familiar. It was a man that was admitted last, uh, last month. And she said, he came back to our church and was baptized last Sabbath. So I'm going to praise the Lord for the joy that he brings to our little efforts. Thank you. I want to thank Jesus this week 
because there's many blessings, and I had a special blessing this week about nature. Um, I was spading over the front of our home, and uh, I worked about three hours one day, and the next day I couldn't understand it why my feet, my hands were sore, and my head started to hurt. And then I started to think that Jesus' hands were pierced, and his feet were pierced on the cross, and he bled, and yet he kept looking to his Father. And I want to look to the Father like he did. And he looked to others, and he looked to the Father. And I can't imagine that agonizing pain he suffered for my sake, that, that I'd like to look to the Father like he did. God bless you. This is a real timely message for us, uh, my family and myself. This week we've been thinking and praying about this, this growing process. And we had a worship service tonight on this, this subject, and I had a real struggle in prayer before the Sabbath began. Uh, and we've been studying about praying for others. Uh, the Lord in his prayer, in his, in his typical prayer, has said to us that we should praise him first and then pray about the kingdom. We shouldn't pray about our trials, and we shouldn't pray about our necessities first. We should pray about the kingdom. We should pray about souls, and we should pray about thy kingdom come in, in others and in us. And uh, I, I had a real burden. I've been under a real burden for for spiritual growth. And I said to the Lord, I, I really need to pray about getting some grace. But he said to my heart, he said, well, you pray about somebody else first. <laughs> and uh, what a struggle to wait. What a, what a struggle it was to just not pray about myself, but praising for a little while first in prayer, and then pray about my wife, and pray about Brother Fletcher, and pray about my children, and pray about my church, and then pray about all my neighbors. And by the time I got to myself, I wasn't so sure I needed that much. But the message, the real message that I got here tonight was about the vineyard. You know, there's only so much you can do in your vineyard. But the trouble time comes when you don't have any work to do, when you've got all the weeds out, and you've mulched, and you've watered, and you've cared for it, and you've, you've checked for bugs, and there's nothing else to do, and you just have to sit and watch it. That's when you begin to worry. But the Lord really blessed me. He said to me, if you've done everything you can for your garden, then pray and work for somebody else's garden. Good. This past week I was able to go on a short vacation, and the Lord showed me a lot about myself, most of all how much I need him. And I'm so thankful that he's given us the promise that he'll perform the good work he started in us, and that he won't leave us to just waste. He'll he'll perform it for us, even though many times we fight against him, he'll bring us around to the point of surrender, and I really thank him for that. Very much. Tonight I think of myself as um, a green piece of fruit, and um, I'm so thankful that I don't have to fall off the tree right now or be eaten up by some something else, but I can continue to hang on there and um, pray that Jesus will nourish me more and more through his word and through the blessings and I'll be sweeter and more delicious and more beautiful as I right on going. target brother that's good alright I'm thankful for the patience that the Lord has with me and I want to cooperate with him in this work of growing Amen. I appreciate these wonderful lessons from the garden We've all been planting peas, I notice. But some of our peas didn't come up. And so I asked Darla, how deep did you plant them? 
She said, well, I just barely covered them. I think, I think I know the answer, I said. I noticed a lot of birds out there and a lot of hulls on the top of the ground. The birds saw them and they pecked them out. You have to plant your peas about an inch deep. Then they'll sprout out and the birds don't want the sprouts. They want the seed. That's a lesson. Yesterday we had a very interesting experience in getting a load of sawdust for our grow boxes. Borrowed Brother Oxley's truck, there he is, and we got stuck. And I'll tell you, it, it looked like it was really stuck. So I wondered what we should do. So we looked at all the wheels and we said to ourselves, it looks like we're really stuck. So we got the shovels out and we dug around the wheels and we did all we could on our part. Then I got inside and I prayed. And my children were praying. You know, it came right on out. I know the angels helped push it out. But I don't think all the spinning in the world would have gotten that truck out if I hadn't got out there and got that shovel and dug around and put little stuff underneath there, gravel and pieces of wood that came right on out. And we believe that the angels helped push that truck out because it just didn't look like we were going to get out. So there's the work of cooperation. That's it. That's it. If you haven't been raised on a farm, then you more or less have to go by faith that if I plant a seed, my seed is going to grow. <laughs> it's really a faith work, and I'm so thankful tonight that it does work. Yes. And, it, and it was so beautiful on the way down here to look out and see the red buds all coming out, and how we can enjoy them, they're so beautiful. And that can be my experience, that the fruit of the Spirit can be in me. And I'm so thankful that this recipe of prayer and study works. Amen. I just want to say that I appreciate so much that God doesn't do things instantly, that he gives us time, and that we can have a part in doing this, and we have such a great privilege to be, that we can cooperate with God and do our part, that he allows us. Thank you. Brother Boykin's sawdust reminded me of a sawdust lesson that I learned this week, too. Uh, Kathy and I went to get some sawdust, too. And uh, <clears throat> when a couple of girls with a trailer and a regular car come in to get sawdust, the lady says, uh, try not to get stuck, because we don't have anybody to get you out. And there were a bunch of men working at this sawmill, too, and there was a lot of mud around. And so we took precautions so that we wouldn't get stuck. And we laid some boards down where it looked a little soft or a little too soft. And uh, otherwise, we just took the careful route out. And as we left, we heard some of the men that were sitting eating lunch. They says, hey, you lost your bet because we didn't get stuck. <laughs> and uh, so I got thinking, as Brother Boykin was telling, you know, a little prevention does a lot. It does a lot in the garden to put a lot of mulch on your plants. And it does a lot in the mud to put a board before you hit the hole. And if we just think about that, before some of the trials come to us and before some of the temptations arrive, a lot of things come to us that that we have a pretty good clues going to come. And if we just uh, get prepared ahead of time and brace ourselves with lots of grace and prayer and the promises of God, we can avoid a lot of the potholes that are on, the life, on life's path. Thank you. I don't usually come up. I'd be too shy about it. But uh, thinking about what Patty said about a garden and uh, you put a seed in, it made me think about, you know, you need, about the angels, you never know. Uh, you know, you start thinking after time that maybe something uh, 
how do you know for sure you shut, you're shut no, you know you know who's putting those thoughts in and you, you keep pushing around saying yes I know that no God, I know He's leading me and everything. But then something happens, and you say, for sure, God is, help, is helping and, and is working with me. A couple of weeks ago, I was going home. I went to Wildwood. I was going home, and and I, my children were in the front seat, and and I was trying to keep them quiet. And something happened. My, my boy bumped me or something. I don't know how it happened. And uh, next thing I know, I was heading right across the, right across the line. I was heading right into a ditch. I got within just a few inches of it going into the, to a ditch. I guess I was going kind of fast. I was in a hurry to get home and fix dinner. And I turned the wheel and was in the rocks and we skidded. And I was going back the other way across the drive, across the road. And I'm not too good at knowing which way skidding and sliding, which way you turn your wheel. So I was just, I knew I was going to the ditch on the other side and I turned that wheel again. And that back into the car just flung around and turned me around. And I was going in and I just, before I said the words out loud, I said to myself, Lord, help. And right then, something hit me on the side. Right on the side near the back door, I felt a shove. And I couldn't just stop. And I was turned straight around. A lady that was in the car behind me, she stopped and came up and she says, What happened? Some, how did you stop? Or something like that. And I says, I just prayed. I know an angel helped me. And she said, It must have been because you couldn't have stopped like that. So I praise the Lord that he takes care of us and... He's there helping us all the time. You don't know it, but he's right there. He is. One aspect of gardening that hasn't been mentioned tonight is the importance of pruning in order to have more fruit. And this is true especially in the vineyards and in the orchards, as you know. In my ministry at the sanitarium, I see the value of pruning so many times. For those who often come to us, have had some experience, either some trauma to their emotions or some physical disease that has really clipped their wings for a time. And it's been my privilege on a number of occasions recently to see some greatly accelerated spiritual growth in those who have been physically laid on their backs. Yeah. And I see God's power at work here in those who are patient enough to let it do its perfect work. For frequently there comes in from the community or even from some church, a Christian or a person who's not, who's so impatient to have it all take place just like that. The pain go away, you know, the nervousness disappear, that the strong pressure comes for something that'll work immediately. But you know, that which immediately takes the pain away, if it truly does that, puts a person to sleep. And then there's no spiritual growth at all. And what God intended to do its perfect work doesn't accomplish a thing for the soul. And I pray God that I may have the patience and the tact to speak a word in season to those that are weary and be willing to wait on the Lord, for we're told it's of his mercies that we're not consumed. For his compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. I am so delighted all day long as I look at God's own personal beautiful garden as he covers the earth with beautiful flowers and the plants and trees with very luscious buds. And tonight I would like to ask him to give me also a new white dress of pure white linen. Amen. 
Lester had a, a hard time to raise green beans. They got up quite quite high, about three inches high, and then the rabbits came along and just mowed them right down, just little stubs. And I was so tempted just to pluck them all up and plant something else because it's still early in the season. But something told me just to keep working at them, and <clears throat> they might still amount to something. So I continued to water them and hoe them and spray these little stubs with Epsom salt. Somebody told me to do that. And to spray them with bug spray. And as a result, I did get about, oh, about four large boxes of beans at the end of the season. And I was thankful for this experience, experience because it reminded me that, that even though these beans were long overdue, because they were supposed to have borne fruit long before they did because they were so short and the rabbits kept after them and kept them short. But still they bore fruit after a while. And I was thinking of the, of the characteristics sometimes that I have that are long overdue and being developed into per perfection and the things in my character that need to be developed. And, but the Lord taught me a lesson in this, in that, um, even though I do have these things in my character that need to be developed, that to keep persevering in choosing to let Him dwell within me and to use His strength to perfect these, even though they are long overdue, He wants me to continue to persevere in, in letting Him work within me. Exactly. I'm afraid I can't tell you about a garden I'm growing, but I thought I'd relate just a short thing that I saw as something that God made. Uh, I was in surgery, and one of the doctors who was operating did a stapedectomy. I'd never seen one of those little bones in the ear before. And when he showed me that little bone, I couldn't help but say right out loud, Oh, what a wonderful God we have. It was such a tiny, tiny little bone. It's considered the smallest bone in the body. And I couldn't help but be amazed that that little thing, it was hardly big enough, hardly the size of a little fingernail that's hardly beginning to grow. And to think he had to remove that because it wasn't moving, and so the person was unable to hear just that one tiny little bone. And when he showed me that, I thought, my only God can make a beautiful little thing like that. Thank you. I'd like to thank the Lord for his wonderful blessings in cooking and pruning me real low and long for four weeks. And also to thank him for the wonderful ministry of each one at the sanitarium and at our institute here in so many different ways. This week, in our pantry and kitchen, we just had this terrible odor. We just could not find what it was or where it was coming from, and so we were conjecturing of these four-footed creatures, big and small, that might be stuck somewhere. And it just got worse and worse and worse. And so Debbie really went to town on, on the pantry, taking everything apart, and everybody was sniffing around trying to find out where it was coming from. Well, even after she got everything cleaned, it was still there, and it was just terrible, worse and worse by the minute. So I went into the pantry some time later. For some reason, my eye and my hand just fell on something on an upper shelf. It was a tin can. I wondered what was in it. As I brought it down, the stench was terrible. I knew I had found the culprit in this tin can. And there it was, filled three-quarters with water, and it was some peas that someone had 
put to soak to get fast growth when they would get in the ground. And there they were, on the shelf, not growing, but decomposing. <laughs> and I couldn't help but think this evening, if you folks were giving your testimony and what Elder Fadee said, that you can take good seed and you can pre-soak it with all the intentions of a wonderful garden, but if you don't plant it in the right place, it's pretty miserable and smelly. And I ask the Lord that he will help me to be planted in the right place. All right. Now, have we got enough to think about for a while? Yes. In a wonderful Sabbath day stretching ahead to share good things with others in Sabbath school and the worship of God, the different opportunities during the week and the different meetings in town and here in the branches. Brothers and sisters, isn't it a precious thing to know that God and each one of us is a, in a partnership in all this? Aren't we thankful? Now, before we close tonight, I wonder if there's somebody here tonight that has never given your heart to Jesus and you'd like to tonight, would you just stand and we'll pray for you? Is there somebody here tonight that has once walked with Jesus, but something has come between you and the Master, and tonight you'd like to put your hand back in Jesus' hand as we pray for you, would you stand? Somebody that has let something come between you and Jesus, and tonight you're giving yourself once again to him. Oh, how thankful he is for each one. Now those that would like to just renew their vows of full surrender to Jesus, would you stand? I would be, dear Savior, holy thine. Teach me how, teach me how. I would do thy will, O Lord, not mine. Help me, help me now. Holy thine, holy thine, holy thine, this is my vow. Holy thine, holy thine, holy thine, O Lord, just now. Precious Lord, we thank thee for the great privilege of sharing with thee in the garden, in our homes, in our personal fellowship with thee and in our work to help others. This week, make us a blessing in the practical things and the spiritual things. And thus, may we make thee happy. For Christ's sake, amen.